I'm Sienna, the kid. I'm Sarah, the mom. Whether you're a young person wanting to learn more about these issues or their parent wanting to find ways to connect, we want you to join us as we tackle some important subjects. If you can't have these conversations in your household yet, we hope to help by having them here. Welcome to Queer Kids Straight Mom. Let's talk. Welcome back to Queer Kids Straight Mom. Today, we are going to talk about books. There has been a lot of attention around book bans lately, something that's really gaining traction around the country, Texas and Florida being the worst state. 41% explicitly address LGBTQ plus themes or have protagonists or prominent secondary characters who are LGBTQ plus. And 40% contain protagonists or prominent secondary characters of color. Obviously, when it comes to the LGBTQ plus issues that we talk about here. This is a very relevant topic. And I'm going to pick on Texas a little bit here because they're number one in banning books and also because I was born there. So I feel like I'm allowed. One of the things that happened lately in Texas back in October, State Representative Matt Krause, who is chair of the House Committee on General Investigating, notified the Texas Education Agency that he is initiating inquiry into the Texas school district content and told each district that they must provide the committee with the number of copies they have of every book on his list, what part of campus those books are located on, and how much money they've spent on those books, as well as any information on any other book that violates House Bill. 3979, the so-called critical race theory law. So obviously a bit alarming from the point of view of people who value a wide range of reading materials and education. Or just like ideological freedom. Right. So NBC News did a public record request and got a hold of some of the books that parents requested be removed from the libraries. And I wrote a couple of these down just because I think there is a legitimate concern when you're talking about some content in books that kids are going to read. But there's a limit to how seriously you can take some of this. One of the books that a parent in Katy, Texas wanted removed was, this is a children's book, Michelle Obama, Political Icon by Heather Schwartz. Because this parent said, it unfairly depicts former President Donald Trump as a bully. And because Obama's reflections on race gave the impression that if you sound like a white girl, you should be ashamed of yourself. One of my other favorites was called New Kid by Jerry Craft. This was another parent and Katie, possibly the same one. I don't know. Asked to ban this graphic novel about a black seventh grader at a mostly white school. She claimed that because it includes references to microaggressions, the book is about critical race theory, which is forbidden by Texas law. A Good Kind of Trouble by Lisa Moore Ramey. Sorry, listeners, you can't see this. I'm like cringing in pain and face palming. (laughs) This is the last one I'll do. These are just <laughs> so fascinating to me. Um, this parent asked administrators to get rid of this novel about a 12-year-old girl who gets involved in the Black Lives Matter movement because it might cause a white child to feel, quote, confusion or distress. So this is where we question the motives of people who say they are just trying to moderate content for their kids' safety and well-being because 
one might question whether those are necessary. So as I dug into this issue a little bit, I found that one of the biggest forces behind book bans is a group called Moms for Liberty. And in uh, another irony, <laughs> right? In another interesting motive questioning twist, this group originally focused on opposing mask mandates. And now they've expanded their agenda to oppose LGBT positive policies and themed materials in schools. Obviously, these things are so closely related. (laughs) Well, this is actually interesting. There was a podcast episode. I think it was from the New York Times um, last year, the Daily Podcast, I think, where they were talking about how all of these groups formed to oppose mask mandates. And then they were like, wow, we can get like white suburban moms really worked up about their kids. So then they start being like, and also your kids are getting brainwashed into critical race theory and gender ideology. Another. Um, Yeah, that was critical race theory was another moms for liberty. Big ticket issue. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's really actually it started off with the pandemic and then they were like, wow. We can get votes out of this, Mm -hmm. Um, especially interestingly, because, you know, suburban women are also one of the groups that tended to respond most strongly to abortion rights. So it's really been sort of this group that people have been fighting over a little bit. So um, just don't believe that those groups are legitimately concerned about your kids well-being because they just want your vote. Right. Different motivations, not necessarily education. Actually went to the Moms for Liberty website for research for this podcast. (laughs) So whatever weird things show up in my feed from now on, I took one for the team. I just want everybody to know. According to the American Library Association, the 10 most challenged books of 2021, which is the most recent list they had, are Genderqueer, Lawn Boy, All Boys Aren't Blue, Out of Darkness, They Hate You Give, The Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, The Bluest Eye, This Book is Gay, and Beyond Magenta. So easily half of those have LGBTQ plus content. Interestingly, like half of those have been the same for the last like five years. Yeah. So this kind of got me to thinking, obviously, parents and the kids reading books have varying levels of comfort with, say, sexual content in books. And I do understand those concerns. And I'm guessing there are plenty of books in high school libraries that have sexual content that don't involve minorities or LGBTQ plus characters that no one's talking about. But just interesting to me that that is such a focus. There are things that have stuck with me since childhood and books that I read, some of them for school, that I found far more disturbing than anything I ever came across related to sex. Uh, Books about war and books about animals tend to be ones that stand out to me. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing I always think about when I think about regulating content is to me, sex is something that you're like, okay, there can be some upsetting stuff related to sex and we don't need kids reading graphic descriptions of sex. But in general, to me, sex is something that you can sort of be like, okay, here's what these characters are doing. Here's like how it fits into the real world. Here's why this book probably isn't an accurate description of how sex works. And that's like a conversation you're going to have to have with your kid at some point regardless. So to me, it's mainly something that sort of the responsibility of the parent to sort of be aware of what their kid is reading, but really not something that if handled properly is going to result in any long lasting damage to your child's well-being. Whereas, yeah, I mean, 
violence to me has always been a lot more upsetting and a lot more of a risk to to kids reading books or, you know, consuming any kind of media. And no one's worked up about provides positive depictions of police or military violence or this book is teaching children to see human life as, you know, meaningless. So, I mean, yeah, I think it's just one of those things that shows clearly how much this is like an ulterior motive, but also sort of reveals this bizarre fixation we as a society have on sex, which like, dude, it's it's only a big deal if you make it a big deal. Yeah, that's always struck me a little bit too, for like a natural part of the world, how much people are freaked out by it. Yeah. So it does seem like there is an ulterior motive. And a lot of this seems focused towards gay and trans characters and topics. And I think that parents that are opposed to homosexuality or different, you know, gender identities, I think they must think that if their kid thinks they could be gay, reading about gay people might make them more gay, more likely to be gay, to be openly gay, which from a psychological perspective, if you're struggling with an identity issue, finding out that what you're feeling has a name and a place in society is an incredible relief. So if parents are not wanting their kids to have that validation, then they're basically like, as long as the kid thinks there's something wrong with them, then they'll hide this and live a quote unquote normal life. But I think you're giving them too much credit. I think they legitimately just think that it's going to turn you trans or gay. Maybe that's possible. Just trying to like give people the benefit of the doubt. Or, I mean, maybe, maybe, bit. maybe a little bit more benefit of the doubt. Even it's going to it's going to teach them that it's something that they should be proud of and normalize instead of working to hide and fix. Right. That's kind of what I was saying that um, which maybe that's not the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that's even more sinister. Right. Because mm-hmm. what we know from statistics is that, for example, the Trevor Project's 2022 National Survey on LGBTQ youth mental health showed that 45% of LGBTQ youth seriously considered attempting suicide in the past year. However, we also know that LGBTQ youth that have at least a supporting family member or some support at home have like half the rate of considering suicide that these other kids have. So ironically, in thinking that they're protecting their kids from something, they're actually putting their lives at risk. On a brighter note, there are great books out there that can provide comfort and acceptance. Let's talk about some of those. As I said earlier, as a parent, I can understand parents that are wary of exposing their kids to content that's inappropriate to their age. As you were a pretty advanced reader, I know it was always hard for you to find books at your reading level that were appropriate content-wise. So I feel like you have a good perspective on this. If parents have these concerns about exposing their kids to sort of over-sexualized stories, whether those kids are LGBTQ kids or their parents just want them to be more empathetic and open-minded, what do you recommend for books that offer LGBTQ plus representation but are like good content for middle school, early high school age? So first, I had a couple of suggestions about moderating or coming up with what is appropriate content, because I think we tend to think of there being such a thing as age-appropriate content, when in reality, it has a lot more to do with your child and what's going to upset them and what they're ready for. And so, you know, if you're like us, you might not really care about, or care is the wrong word, you might be able to engage on an empathetic level with 
a book about violence, like, say, The Hunger Games at an earlier age, but you might find anything that involves animal violence really upsetting. To me, that's what you need to be on the lookout for as a parent. And so it's really a matter of knowing what you're comfortable with your kid being exposed to and what your kid is going to be comfortable being exposed to instead of just assuming like, oh, well, this is a young adult book, so it must have inappropriate content. So my suggestion would be to, first of all, look at the reading level and the content level separately because you can find the reading level like the lexile level for example on like library pages i would imagine the ala website has it for a lot of books that kind of thing and so that'll give you an idea of what the actual like how hard is this going to be to read which is good because i sort of have a suspicion that i got i started reading adult books and i was like i haven't been this challenged in years And I I think that, like, honestly, my reading comprehension wasn't as good as it could have been because I I, like there simply were not books that I was reading that were challenging me because I didn't have access or I I wasn't looking super discerningly for things that were going to challenge me. So for whatever that's worth. And then for the content level, I find it useful. There are a couple of websites. So Common Sense Media is specifically targeted at looking at how appropriate is this for kids of different ages. And while there are some things about their approach, I find a little bit iffy for at least a while they would raise the sexuality rating if there were mentions of queer characters, but they also do a good job of breaking everything up by topic. So there's like, what is there for violence? What is there for drug use? What is there for sexuality? What is there for language? And so you can look at those sort of on your own and without necessarily assuming that they have the correct age rating, you can say, okay, this is what I want my kid to read. This is what I don't want my kid to read. And then the other one is, I think it's doesthedogdie.com, which is obviously, as the name suggests, focused on animal violence, but it does do a decent job of including other things. It's more oriented towards like trigger warnings for people, but it does a decent job of saying like, is there sexual violence? Is there drug use? Anything that people might find triggering. So I think using those as a sort of jumping off point to establish like what is the actual content of this book like can then give you an idea if if you think it's a good suggestion for your kid or if it's something that you're like, oh, I better have a conversation with my kid about this when they read it. I think that kind of approach lets you have a healthy middle ground of like, you know, people, your, your kid's not just running around reading whatever they feel like, but you're not restricting them or preventing them from exploring ideas independently either. So as far as a couple of book ideas, and so what I've done here is I specifically looked at middle grade books, which are generally targeted actually towards like late elementary school, early middle school. And I obviously I could also have some suggestions for middle school and high school, but specifically I actually focused on middle grade because that is sort of the genre that I think it can be a little bit more challenging to find stuff in. So the young adult genre is really, really, really progressive and has great variety of identities reflected in it. And so that's one that I think is actually reasonably easy to navigate, especially in the last few years. There's there's been like a really great amount of diversity in the genre, in my opinion. But I don't remember ever really reading any middle grade books that 
were diverse in terms of gender and sexual orientation. And I was very excited to see when I looked it up that that's something that has also improved substantially in the last few years. So what I actually did, if people are interested on goodreads.com, I have put together a list under the list section called QKSM Queer Middle Grade Reads. And so there's there's about 19 books on this list. And the nice thing about this is you can vote on the books. You can add more books. Obviously, at the moment, there's not a ranking because I'm the only person who has edited it. But you can vote on them. And as people vote on them, it'll sort of tell you which ones amongst this list are the most popular. Um, but I tried to put together, you know, a good, a good variety. These are really aimed, I would say it, for the most part, like second grade through sixth grade, there's kind of a range within there. There are a lot of different themes, a lot of different genres, a lot of different identities represented here. So hopefully that will be a valuable resource for people. Who That's the age at which it might be more important for parents to be like, here's a book I thought you might like. Why don't you give reading this a chance? Whereas, you know, once you move into young adult, people tend to be a little bit more like they have an idea of what they're interested in. They'll seek out their own books, mm -hmm. if you're me anyway. So I don't know. Do you want me to go over some of the specific books? or Give us a couple examples. All right. So like I said, we've really got everything. We've got graphic novels. We've got fantasy. We've got contemporary, really all over the place. Here we have... Dragon Pearl, which is actually part of the Rick Riordan Presents imprint, which is actually a really good place to start if you're looking for diverse books. This is a really cool thing where Rick Riordan has obviously always been very devoted to making his books diverse and inclusive. And especially of recently, he's been really putting effort into making his books inclusive of queer characters, which is great. And unlike so many straight white male authors. He also puts a ton of effort into making sure, okay, well, I've benefited from writing about different kinds of Western mythology, but I don't need to be the one to tell stories based on other kinds of mythology because look at all these other amazing authors that are out here. So what this imprint is, is it's basically a collection of mythology-oriented stories in a whole variety of ways that are about the reading level, kind of what would appeal to readers who enjoyed Rick Riordan's books. So with that lengthy introduction, yeah, we've got Dragon Pearl by Yoon Ha Lee. 13-year-old Min comes from a long line of fox spirits, but you'd never know it by looking at her. To keep the family safe, Min's mother insists that none of them use any fox magic such as charm or shape-shifting. They must appear human at all times. Min feels hemmed in by the household rules and resents the endless chores, the cousins who crowd her, and the aunties who judge her. She would like nothing more than to escape Jinju, her neglected, dust-ridden, and impoverished planet. She's counting the days until she can follow her older brother Jin to the space forces and see more of the thousands worlds. When word arrives that Jin is suspected of leaving his post to go in search of the Dragon Pearl, Min knows that something is wrong. Jin would never desert his battlecruiser even for a mystical object rumored to have tremendous power. She decides to run away to find him and clear his name. Min's quest will have her meeting gamblers, pirates, and vengeful ghosts. It will involve deceptions, lies, and sabotage. She will be forced to use more fox magic than ever before and to rely on all of her cleverness and bravery. The outcome may not be what she had hoped, but it has the potential to exceed her wildest dreams. Not Your Sidekick by C.B. Lee. 
Welcome to Andover, where superpowers are common, but internships are complicated. Just ask high school nobody Jessica Tran. Despite her historic lineage, Jess is resigned to a life without superpowers and is merely looking to beef up her college applications when she stumbles upon the perfect paid internship. Only it turns out to be for the town's most heinous supervillain. On the upside, she gets to work with her longtime secret crush, Abby, who just thinks might have a secret of her own. Then there's the budding attraction to her fellow intern, the mysterious M, who never seems to be in the same place as Abby. But what starts as a fun way to spite her superhero parents takes a sudden and dangerous turn when she uncovers a plot larger than heroes and villains altogether. Then we have Anna on the Edge by AJ Sass. 12-year-old Anna Marie Jin, the reigning U.S. juvenile figure skating champion, is not a frilly-dressed kind of kid. So when Anna learns that the next season's program will be princess-themed, doubt forms fast. Still, Anna tries to focus on training and putting together a stellar routine worthy of national success. Once Anna meets Hayden, a transgender boy new to the rink, thoughts about the princess program and gender identity begin to take center stage. And when Hayden mistakes Anna for a boy, Anna doesn't correct him and finds comfort in this boyish identity when he's around. As their friendship develops, Anna realizes that it's tricky juggling two different identities on one slippery sheet of ice. And with major competition approaching, Anna must decide whether telling everyone the truth is worth risking years of hard work and sacrifice. The Misadventures of the Family Fletcher by Donna Allison Levy. Meet the Fletchers. Their year will be filled with new schools, old friends, a grouchy neighbor, hungry skunks, leaking ice rinks, school plays, wet cats, and scary tales told in the dark. There's Sam, age 12, who's mostly interested in soccer, food, and his phone. Jack's age 10, who's psyched for fourth grade and thinks the new neighbor stinks, and not just because of the skunk. Eli, age 10, but younger than Jack's who's thrilled to be starting the new this year at the Pinnacle School, where everyone's the smart kid, and Frog, not his real name, age six, who wants everyone in kindergarten to save a seat for his invis- invisible cheetah, also dad and papa. So yeah, you can see that there's there's a nice range of, of genres there. There's, you know, graphic novels in there, nice range of age suggestions. So I am pleased to say that... There are a lot more options available than there were when I was a kid, which is really nice. We can link that on our website, too. Yeah. As far as young adult books go, as I said, it tends to be a lot easier to find to find young adult content um, because there's just so much of it, which is very exciting. A couple of places that I would recommend starting. So Marissa Meyer um, is really well known for writing the Lunar Chronicles series, but actually a lot of her more recent books like Heartless, the Renegade series and Gilded are quite inclusive of of queer characters. So for instance, in the uh, Gilded series, the entire pantheon of deities is actually non-binary. So her books are all pretty mild in terms of content. There's not a lot of sexual content and they can be a little bit violent. Obviously, they're pretty like sci-fi or fantasy. And, you know, know, there's, there's all these stakes and big battles and stuff. But it's not particularly graphic. I would say it's more emotional than anything else. So I would say that would be a really awesome starting place for kids in, you know, going into middle school. And then probably a next level up would be the Shadowhunters books by Cassandra Clare. Those ones are actually, I found, really, really important. I was reading them right around the time that I was sort of figuring out who I was. 
And I don't know, they're just very important to me. They're a little bit silly, you know, especially the first few books. Um, it's a little bit like, okay, wow, whatever. But I also find a little bit of junk food, food reading, but I really enjoy them. And once you get later into the series, there's also a very deliberate focus on diversity in a lot of different ways. Part of why I'm recommending all of these, I guess, is that they incorporate queer characters into a book that's not necessarily about queerness which I think will appeal to kids who aren't queer, but it'll also appeal to kids who are queer because sometimes you just want to see yourself in a superhero or something. It was also one of the first series that I saw do this with an autistic person, which I thought was really cool. Definitely, like I said, a step up, a little bit more violent, a little bit more sexual content, but, you know, very much like fade to black sex jokes kind of sexuality as opposed to anything really explicit. So I would say probably, probably, you know, maybe seventh or eighth grade. I think I started reading them in sixth grade, but you know, you know whatever. Um, and then a next level up would probably then be, I say a level up because it's a little bit more violent and gritty and edgy, but it, Lee Bardugo's book, specifically the, um, the Six of Crows duology, um, which comes after the Shadow and Bone trilogy. That one is definitely more like, sixth seventh grade it's a pretty classic hero's journey once you get to six of crows it's deliberately anti-heroes and so there's a lot more kind of moral nuance going on and then there's just there's just some violence like someone pulls out someone's eyeball it's gross (laughs) um but it's really good again very diverse we have a dyslexic character which again like really the first time i ever saw a dyslexic character outside of Books about people with dyslexia, which I really appreciate. Again, not super explicit sexually, um, but there are references to like sexual abuse. And one one of the characters was forced to be a prostitute. So it's definitely a little bit darker. I would say probably eighth grade starting high school is a reasonable place for those. I will say, like, obviously, those are all books by, as far as we know, straight women. But I do appreciate that they incorporate queerness into their stories in a very deliberate, but also comes across as casual way. And I think it's a really great place to sort of jump into the world of reading about queer characters. All right. Yeah, those are some great suggestions. Um, I've read some of those, not all of them. Wait, Percy Jackson was a dyslexic character. That's true. I totally forgot about that. Not counting Percy Jackson because (laughs) Percy Jackson is just amazing in all of the ways. I just loved the way that Rick Riordan made what we often call disabilities superpowers. Yeah. Rick Riordan's amazing. That's another one. Like if your kids are in elementary school, 100% Rick Riordan books are a great starting place. Definitely agree on those. Okay. Yeah. So we will link to that Goodreads list on our website and definitely tell us if you have other ideas that belong in this discussion, let us know so we can share those too. And for next week, we are going to be talking about something which has been coming up a lot in the news recently, but has also been sort of an ongoing thing for the last maybe four or five years, which is JK Rowling and Harry Potter and her being, as it turns out, kind of transphobic and how that sort of plays out for people who, like me, either grew up loving Harry Potter or like like mom found it 
kind of young adultish phase where it was really important to them and what they should like how to respond to that. Yeah, that's been a tough one. It's been a really tough one because I felt like those books were so important in helping kids feel like they belong, kids that felt like they were different. And this is just a fascinating twist on that. So we'll attack that next week. In the meantime, have a good week and go out and read some good books with gay characters. All right, we'll catch you next time. All right, if you would like to hear more from us, follow us on Instagram at queerkid.straightmom, Facebook at queerkid.straightmom, Twitter at queerkidstraightmom, that's straight, that is spelled S-T-R-8. And if you would like to support us so that we can keep bringing you content like this, consider donating to us on Patreon at queerkid, straight mom. And if you are enjoying our podcast, please rate, review, and follow us on your preferred podcasting platform.